Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. As you go through flight training, you're always going to be learning. But when you get to a point where the student becomes the teacher, you eventually become a certified flight instructor, just like myself. Being a flight instructor is a huge responsibility, and today we're going to go over some of the important responsibilities of CFI and what it takes to be one. And by the way, when I say huge responsibilities, it really is. Signing someone off to go solo, signing someone off for a check ride, um, ensuring that they're really prepared for what you're going to have them go spend a, a $800 or $1,000 on a check ride. It's really a lot of responsibility. So we're here to, to talk about some of that stuff today, and I'm really excited about it. You know, it's enough responsibility uh, for myself just to be flying, flying myself, flying passengers. But putting another person's life in, in your hands really is just an entire another game altogether. And it's just an intense weight to carry and something that a lot of people really spend a lot of time working towards. I've been lucky enough to work at an airport uh, surrounded by CFIs, and I'm not one yet, but I have plans to be one in the future. And I've flown alone a lot, and I've flown passengers, and after flying all day back-to-back with my friends or with my instructors and talking the entire time, I realized just how mentally fatigued I was. So teaching and flying for up to eight hours a day like CFIs do, still pretty unimaginable to me. Yeah, it is pretty unimaginable. I remember the first time I was a flight instructor, uh, going up for like a whole day worth of students, you are mentally exhausted. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it flying alone on, you know, long cross country. I uh, just, just sitting there flying, doing nothing else. It's, it's exhausting enough. So I can't imagine just having that stress of talking the whole time and trying to teach and being a CFI, totally undoubtedly a tough job. You have a lot on your shoulders. So let's start off with the basics of becoming a CFI. First, you have to complete the fundamentals of instruction knowledge test, the flight instructor knowledge test. You have to do spin and stall awareness training. In addition to that, you have to have at least 250 hours, hold a commercial pilot certificate, and have a valid third-class medical or higher. So, Brandon, when someone's going for the CFI rating, what do you think they should focus on regarding their studying and training? Well, there's a lot of things you got to focus on. Um, the first thing is commitment. You need to focus and make sure that you're actually committed to this goal. I know it took me a long time to become a CFI because at first I just thought, oh, I can do this. It's probably not that hard. Uh, that was totally wrong. Uh, I had to be committed to it, mentally committed, ready. Uh, I just, I really had to just know I'm, I'm going to do this and it's going to be difficult and I'm going to put in whatever time and effort it takes to get it done. Uh, so for a lot of people that are doing this full time and that's their job is basically to go to school. Commitment is something they're already used to doing when they're working on their private instrument commercial. But me, uh, I did a lot of other things um, in other jobs and, and businesses that I've owned and worked in. Uh, so I didn't have that commitment quite yet. Uh, but I did get it eventually. And uh, I committed myself to 60 days of hard studying every day and just going for it. The next thing would have to be the FARS, uh, Federal Aviation Regulations. You need to know Part 61 and Part 91 kind of like the back of your hand. Like if somebody tells you, hey, where do I find this? You need to be able to look it up very quickly or know it by heart, uh, kind of what what section it's in. Uh, also, 141, if you teach in 141 school, you need to know that one pretty well as, in addition. And if you fly uh, 135s or something like that later on, you're going to have to know those in addition. But another big thing is really, and it sounds stupid to even say, but how to teach. There's so many flight instructors that have no idea how to teach, and they feel like it's just showing somebody how to use flight controls and showing somebody how to push in and pull out a, 
the throttle. It's not that at all. You really need to know how to teach somebody. You need to learn what their style of learning is. Uh, you can normally figure that out just by having some conversations with them, talking to them, uh, asking them about their day and asking them how they learn. Some people know that they're visual learners. Some people know that they, they learn better when they're reading. Just ask, ask them that first off. Uh, it's really going to help. Uh, when they get into an actual airplane, though, uh, you're going to have to tell them all sorts of different ways on, on how to learn. And that all matters because you have to teach them. You have to show them. And teaching isn't just showing. There's a book that I've read, and I actually give it to every new flight instructor that I ever come across, and it's called Telling is Not Teaching, the Flight Instructor's Handbook. It's actually written by a CFI, and it's probably one of the most valuable books I've ever written or read. Uh, I really recommend every single person who's going after uh, their CFI to go read that book. And then also, besides that, you want to know your basic knowledge, like know everything there is to do about getting your private pilot certificate. I mean, you really need to know your private, like the back of your hand, and you need to know your commercial really well too, but know all the maneuvers, know how they're done, know what's in the ACS or PTS for the, the CFI ride. Those are the types of things. Yeah. And you have know, talked with enough CFIs and when I got to the point that I realized that my CFI is just another person who's on their way to, on, you know, on the way of the big dreams of going to the airlines or getting some cool job like firefighting, and once I realized that, I realized that it's it's not as scary to have that communication and that talk with them and that they're learning on their own way and they're trying to teach you along with them. So it, it's just a big responsibility to take on someone as a student and having a CFI, uh, you know, after passing that check ride and receiving their certificate, do you have any advice on finding a job as a CFI? I know it's a pretty big step is, of course, once they get their CFI, they want to use it. And like I said, they're on that path. So what do you... has have to say about going and find a job? Well, the first thing you can do is go ask, uh, ask your school that you've been training at. Hey, are you hiring? Uh, if they've trained you all the way from zero, all the way to where you're at today, they should want you at their school. Uh, you're typically the same type of person that follows all their policies, procedures. Uh, you know, their syllabus already, you know, all those things. So working at the school you train at is probably the best option if it's, if it's available. And if that's not, uh, if that's not what's available to you. Uh, just go and make connections at your local airport or airports. Um, go ask people uh, that you know. Uh, go ask other flight schools. Just go put your resumes everywhere. And then get great at teaching. I mean, like I was talking about uh, before, you really need to know what you're doing when you're teaching somebody. So go go read the Aviation uh, Instructor's Handbook and kind of know that book. It's pretty dry and pretty straightforward uh, when it comes to just straight teaching but it's something you have to know. You need to know like Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. You need to know about primacy. You need to know about things that really uh, address concerns when students have them. Uh, so you need to have a passion for what you do. Uh, make sure that you're really passionate about flight instruction. If you're not, your students are going to see it. Everybody's going to know that you don't like flight instructing and it's just going to exude from you. But if you have a passion for it and people think that you actually care about them, uh, then they're going to see that as a real genuine experience when they're flying with you and being around you. They're going to want to be around you and want to be at the school and want to fly with you. And then to top all that off, like after you get that job with your boss in particular, be open with your long-term goals with your boss. If you're, if you're saying, Hey, I'm going to leave at 1500 exactly. Tell them, give them monthly updates, tell them exactly um, what your goals are. And that you can even talk to them about that inside the beginning of the, of the process of you getting hired. 
they want to know if you're going to be here for 3000 hours or you're going to be here for 1500 hours. It's, it's something that, that the school wants to know. Yeah. And I think it's an expectation in the industry that being a CFI is either going to be a stepping stone for you, or it's going to be that that's your dream career. So having the clear expectations, it's just like any job is, you know, CFI is just like any other job. There's expectations for you to do certain things, expectations for you to be there on time and expectations for you to just really be one with your student and and take them on because you have to think about it. It's, it's not just teaching as a stepping stone for you. That's their entire flight training for them. So it's a pretty big deal. And aside from the general responsibility of teaching, Brand, what else does a CFI do? DFI does a lot of things uh, besides just teaching, which is by far the most important thing they're doing is teaching. It's not flying. It's not doing anything. It's really teaching. You need to do, you need to learn endorsements, 6165 hotel, the advisory circular. Uh, that is a document that you should pretty much just have on your bookmarks and, and know that it's there. Um, Make sure that you copy it word for word. Otherwise, an endorsement may or may not be valid, kind of depending on which one it is. Um, and then besides that, you can actually add things to the endorsements on the bottom of it. Like I add limitations to almost all my solo endorsements that it says must have prior CFI approval by Brandon Martini. And it says that on their their logbook endorsement. So I don't actually change the body of it, but I just add a line for limitations. And that way they can't just get a authorization from one of their other CFI friends and go fly in an airplane solo without your approval. So I do that. Solo endorsements, speaking of that, are really big. Uh, you're going to be signing someone off to go fly an airplane by themselves that costs anywhere from $20,000 to maybe five or six or $700,000. That's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal to the owner of that company. It's a big deal to that student. It's a big deal to their family. It's a big deal to the person who underwrites your CFI insurance, which every flight instructor should have, regardless of their assets or abilities. So it's a really big deal. You've got to make sure that that these solo endorsements you're writing are really good and really valid. And you've trained these students to and to uh, to go for it and be in a, a really safe, um, safe flying manner. Signing I ACRA um, for student pilot certificates and practical tests. This is something that you kind of learn on the job, really. Um, no one knows how to sign IACRA applications except for to take check rides, really. Uh, but once you become a CFI, have another CFI mentor you that's been, that's done a lot of signing IACRA for students and, uh, and you'll get by just fine. Uh, and if you work at a 141 school, uh, there's some other, there's some other stuff that you even get on IACRA and it's, uh, it's mostly for school admin and all sorts of stuff. And by the way, no one even teaches you that the, the FAA barely knows how to use it. Uh, besides that, uh, you, you get to uh, do stage checks if you're a check instructor, things like that. It's really a lot of fun, uh, just the general responsibility of being a, a CFI. Yeah, CFI has a lot of responsibilities, and you know, especially teaching ground school. That, that's a pretty big one that, that we don't typically talk about a lot, because online ground school is, is a pretty big option for a lot of student pilots. But some students like to be a little more in-depth and, and talk with their instructor about ground and it's just something that the CFI will have to spend a lot of their time on is just staying up up to date on every kind of topic and being able to talk to their student about all those. You know, I've had students, or sorry, I've had instructors that have just talked endlessly about, about a subject they're particularly passionate about, like talk, talking with Brand about weather, for one. He loves to hit on it and loves to teach it. And every CFI is up and down about different subjects. So finding what's really best as a CFI to teach about and finding the worst that you're teaching about, and, and really just finding a common ground on, on how to stay knowledgeable. And I've flown CFIs that are super current, super new, and everything in between. And what are some common mistakes that you see, Brandon, 
that they should focus on correcting right at the beginning. Understand that every student learns a little differently. Um, you could say one thing to somebody and it means something totally different to them. Uh, so for example, I always use this, uh, this, this example whenever I'm in person. I tell somebody to draw a three-inch line um, or a two-inch line or whatever it is, but normally a three-inch line. And I, put a, I tell them to put on a piece of paper and then I draw a three-inch line and I put it on a piece of paper and then we compare uh, the pieces of paper on our lines that we drew. Every single time, it's not identical. It's always just a little bit different. And that's the same thing when you're talking to a student uh, in the airplane. You could say, push the throttle in a little bit more. Well, their little bit more could mean push it in an inch and you're a little bit more really meant 100 RPM. So you could say, increase the throttle 100 RPM. And that means a lot more than just saying, push the throttle in a little bit more or something along those lines. So you really need to give really detailed explanations um, and thorough explanations, uh, just like the example I just used. Also, really thorough ground school or briefing and debriefing will speed up the process of, of learning for every student. And a big problem that CFIs don't do is they don't teach enough ground. Um, if the weather's bad, they'll just cancel the flight and have them go home for the day or something like that. That's, that's not a good way to go about it. You really need to tell the student, Hey, we're, we're sitting here. We're already set around, set, set this time. Uh, it's been allotted for learning. We're going to continue the learning and, uh, and do some more ground instruction. And then also just emphasizing the basics. Um, transference of controls is a big one, uh, that bothers me a lot actually. And, there should always be one person flying the airplane, never two. A flight instructor should not be manhandling the controls while the student's trying to land. If the student's doing so things so egregiously that they shouldn't be flying the airplane or landing the airplane, then the instructor should say, my controls, take the full controls from the, from the student and land the airplane um, or vice versa. You know, I've even had instructors that really pick up on that with me. And I've said, hey, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this landing. Would you mind just kind of ghosting the controls or staying on the controls with me? And they kind of just know when to back off. And, and when staying on the controls too much as a CFI really counts as two pilots flying at the same time. And that's something that we, of course, never want, especially when students freak out. Uh, some students even have a tendency to, to freak out a little bit and not let go of the controls. And I think as a CFI, a good thing to know is, is when to tell your student to back off the controls especially in those really tense moments where you're coming in for a landing as a student pilot, a little too much crosswind and you're white knuckling it. Uh, known as a CFI, you might have to take over at some point and, and knock their hand off the controls. Uh, just really a lot of the big things is really knowing when your, your student needs you and when your student doesn't need you. And I've had several different CFIs that I've either trained at or trained with or flown with. And I can tell you the basics is really just understand that student. And I know you're pretty humble, Brandon, uh, but you're a really great instructor. And what do you think makes a CFI really good CFI? I think something that makes a really good CFI is, is listening to your student, listening to their concerns, and being critical of yourself. Uh, you need to really know uh, how to change yourself to be a better teacher. So if you've worked on something with a student for three or five lessons and they're not improving, you need to come to the realization very quickly that the problem is not the student. The problem is you. Um, you need to go look in the mirror and ask yourself, why is my student not learning properly? And what am I doing improperly? Um, I need to solve their, their learning plateau or their learning issue. And I guarantee it's because I haven't changed 
whatever I'm doing as the flight instructor. It's really, really important to do that. Uh, so I would think that's the biggest thing. Just you got to humble yourself. I know you said I'm pretty humble, but honestly, you have to humble yourself, Carson. If you don't, uh, you're going to get a big head and you're going to think you can do all these things on an airplane and, uh, and it's just never going to work out for you. So, uh, I know there's a lot of CFIs that seek some type of, uh, like higher end position and, and that can be a check instructor. That can be an assistant chief instructor. Uh, that can be a chief instructor. Um, but the first thing a lot of people do is, is they get a gold seal and it just changes the color, uh, on your pilot certificate in the top left corner and it turns it a little gold color. And it just means that you've, uh, you've had a lot of application or applicants, uh, that have passed their check right on the first try and that you train to a really, really high standard, uh, which is, which is really good. It also means that you also pass the, uh, FAA ground instructor written test. Uh, so, uh, to get that, you just have to train and recommend 10 appli- uh, applicants for a practical test and 80% of them have to pass on the first attempt, uh, and if you're a DPE, you can con- conduct uh, 20 practical tests as a DPE uh, or graduation tests as a chief instructor or an assistant chief instructor. So you can do all those different ways. I would say the majority of people, uh, they get 80% of their applicants passing on their first try and they go get that uh, written test done. So it's really fantastic, uh, fantastic way to kind of step up your game and show people uh, how much of an awesome flight instructor you are. And, you know, Brandon, being a CFI is really a full-time job. So whether you fly every day with a student or fly once a month with a student, it's a full-time job because you need to keep yourself up to date, uh, current with your knowledge, and really just to be the best CFI for your student. And I'm not a CFI yet, I know, but I've spoken to enough, and I know that becoming a CFI is a pretty complicated process. Earning your flight instructor certificate, it's a hurdle on its own, and becoming a great CFI is something that really just takes time and practice. And depending on how often they study, fly, and how many students they have, there's a bunch of different factors, and I've seen new CFIs take months, sometimes even years, to really become that great CFI as they practice their teaching. And it's tough to become a teacher, and teaching something that you, at some point, really just know how to do is really harder than it seems. And I hope a lot of these new and aspiring CFIs found this episode particularly helpful and encouraging. And if anything, remember, in aviation, everyone, even student pilots, have something that they can teach you. 100%. Everybody you ever fly with, you're always learning something from them. So if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us at Twitter or Instagram. You can reach me at Mr. Martini Guy, or you can reach Carson at Carson underscore AV17. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. Thanks, guys. <laughs>